Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it is August the third, two thousand eighteen. Uh, and as they used to say, the hits just keep on coming. Um, I'll get to that in a moment. But there was breaking news: Fox reporting something that just blows my mind, and it's in line with what I had planned to speak about this evening. But before we get started, I want to welcome you to my program. Those of you who are new to the show, welcome. If you're not familiar with me, if you're not familiar with what I've been up to, I am a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the INS, an agency that was sliced, diced, split apart, uh, blended in with all sorts of other agencies, Sky Marshals, Agriculture, TSA, you name it. It was, uh, in fact, not just my opinion, but the opinion of the then chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, John Hostetler, that this hodgepodge of agencies was ill-conceived, and I frankly believe that it was an effort by the Bush administration to, uh, rather than learn the lessons of 9-11, because this was under the Department of Homeland Security, um, created by the Homeland Security Act, uh, they turned the INS, which was a problem agency to begin with, and made it far worse, far less effective, leaving our borders open, Uh, satisfying the globalists, the people who don't believe in sovereign borders, and by the way, not a left-right issue, it's a right-wrong issue, uh, and leaving us, therefore, vulnerable. And the lunacy just keeps on accelerating and is being exacerbated by the politicians from both sides of the aisle and and now by the judges once again. So uh, this program is about providing you with the information that the mainstream media refuses to discuss. This program is about providing you with the insight that I've acquired in my 30 years working for the old INS, beginning as an immigration inspector for four years, spending years as an adjudications officer, and then being an INS agent where I rotated through all the squads within the investigations branch. I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission because I arrested terrorists during my career. Immigration plays a pivotal role in national security. I, I want you to think of immigration as a follow-on to the U.S. military. It's not the sort of thing we normally hear, but that's the reality. The mission of the five branches of the U.S. Armed Forces, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, the Navy, the Marines, the Army, all five branches have a common primary mission, and that mission is to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. Up close and in person, that task falls to the Department of Homeland Security, the Border Patrol between ports of entry, the inspectors at ports of entry, And the final last resort, interior enforcement, which is so critical, always neglected, will continue to be neglected because that is how you could solve the immigration crisis. There is no great mystery here. This is easily, easily doable, phenomenally easily doable. And it's not about building a wall on the Mexican border, but before you get all worked up, we do need the wall. Okay, so let's understand that. But if we don't have meaningful enforcement of the immigration laws within the interior of the United States, anything we do is doomed to fail. 
This is failure by design, and we've had it for decades, and we are paying the price for that failure that has been designed to fail. Uh, we have well over a million enlisted men and women in America's armed forces carrying out their vital missions of national security. But up close and in person, we have about six or 7,000 ICE agents inside the United States. This is lunacy. This is a failure by design. No other way to describe it. No other way to describe it. And so what I've been trying to do is to get people to understand that if all we think that immigration is is the U.S.-Mexican border, we will fail. We will fail abysmally. And I fear we will be attacked and drugs and criminals will continue to pour into the United States. There was a terrible murder of a young boy by the name of Junior. That was his nickname out in the Bronx. And he was bludgeoned to death by a bunch of thugs who belong to a gang known as the Trinitarios. It is a gang that is based in the Dominican Republic. Now, I don't know what the immigration status is of those 21 individuals who were arrested for, for what they did to this young boy. But the gang itself has its origins in the Dominican Republic. Now, those gang members well have been born in the United States. But the media won't tell you one way or the other. This is the news you won't be getting out of the mainstream media, for the most part. But I can assure you that if they came here from the Dominican Republic, they did not run the Mexican border. They probably either came in through Puerto Rico and then took a domestic flight to New York or took flights into New York directly from the Dominican Republic. So if we had the deflector shield off the Starship Enterprise protecting the United States along the Mexican border, the Trinitarios would have not been affected one iota. The 9-11 hijackers that carried out the, ter the terror attacks, hard to believe, next month, uh, we will be observing the 17th anniversary. None of those dirtbags came across the Mexican border. Again, we have to secure the border because much does come across that border that's not helpful, that's harmful. But we are indeed a country of 50 border states. And the reason you won't hear anything about interior enforcement is because that is the solution to the immigration crisis. Simple as that. This is a crisis by design, and if you want to know where the collusion is, Look no further than the Democrats and the repugnant cans, as I've come to call the two parties. They are in bed together, and when you hear about bipartisan support for an immigration bill, run for your life. That's why the eight gangsters, led by Chuck Schumer, wanted comprehensive immigration reform, and when they couldn't pass it, they came up with the DREAM Act. Now, the DREAM Act was supposed to be about children. It was one of the biggest scams foisted on America um, since... Ponzi did his scheme, that's where the word Ponzi scheme comes from, or Bernard Madoff, those guys are pikers. The real scams are going on in Congress with immigration because this is about the exploitation of vulnerable workers. There is no compassion in exploitation. And the, the arguments you will hear, oh my God, you're not being compassionate. You're not letting us bring in slave labor. Anybody who would have disrupted the flow of slaves into America um, by these reasonings, would have been called unfair because you're not allowing us to bring in these workers. Yeah, the workers that get exploited are made to work in dangerous conditions, often swindled out of their paychecks. So if you want to stop that, there's something wrong with you. And how many foolish Americans have fallen for this garbage? And so now Fox News just reporting minutes ago, just before I went on the air this evening, that a judge, and they didn't mention the judge yet, is ordering the Trump administration to turn on DACA once again, the Fred Action Childhood Arrival. 
DACA is not law. How in the world a judge can order a sitting president to enact or continue policy, and I would argue illegal policy, by the prior administration and saying it's unconstitutional, I want to know what section of the Constitution is being violated when a, a new president walks into the Oval Office and says, I don't agree with the policies of the prior administration. He was a Democrat. I'm a Republican. He wanted open borders. I don't want open borders. I'm not going to continue the policy. And a judge says this is unconstitutional. Article 4, Section 4, ladies and gentlemen, is about the United States protecting the states from invasion and domestic violence. Article 4, Section 4, whoever the judge is, someone needs to shove it under his nose or her nose. Because the idea that DACA needs to be continued, because otherwise it's unconstitutional, tell you what, there's a legal term for it. Bullshit. That's the legal term. This is an unmitigated lie. Program known as DACA was an effort by Obama to resurrect the DREAM Act, which they couldn't ram down our throats. And they did the DREAM Act because they couldn't get comprehensive immigration reform down our throats. And most people don't realize it, and perhaps you do, but if you don't, you're about to have your eyes opened. The age cutoff for the DREAM Act was age 35. Everyone thinks they had to be kids. No, they had to say they came as children. Yes, and many kids did come here by their parents, dragged here illegally. And by the way, now that Trump is trying to prevent that from continuing, again, he's being criticized. Oh, my God, he's separating families. Well, let me tell you what. When I was an agent, spent 26 years on the street, working with the FBI, working with DEA, working with the New York City and New York State and Suffolk County and Nassau County Police Departments and other police departments, when we did major arrests and we knew that there would be children in the apartments or the houses that we were going to execute the warrants in, child welfare came along with us so they could take custody of the children. What do you do when there's a three-year-old child in an apartment and you're arresting Mama Bear and Papa Bear? Certainly, you can't leave the three-year-old by himself and, and, and say, you know, here's a couple of bucks, order some pizza. So that child is taken into protective custody by child welfare and put in foster care. For all the screaming about all the kids that were separated from their immigrant parents, right now, on any given day, according to, and I just wrote this article for Front Page Magazine, over 400,000 children in America are in foster care. Some of them because their parents are in jail. Some of them because the parents were found to be unfit. Some of them because they were homeless. And some of those homeless people got to be homeless when foreign workers displaced them on their jobs. Not just the bottom-rung jobs, but the high-tech jobs where we're flooding America with workers from India and other third-world countries. Nobody talks about those kids. No psychologists are running with teddy bears and balloons to, to give a back rub to those American kids or those children in America, maybe some are, in fact, illegal aliens as well, God knows, because we have sanctuary cities that won't even let us know the magnitude of the crisis we face. But please understand the problem. And the problem that we are confronting right now is an out-of-control government that seems to think that the American citizens are the enemy of this country, that we need to get rid of the American workers and bring in a brand-new batch from overseas because they are smarter and harder working. Oh, and by the way, what makes them really exceptional is they will work for dirt poor wages, even in the high-tech industries, and will tolerate conditions that are illegal. 
That's why they want foreign workers. They essentially want slave labor, and they know they can't get away with that garbage with Americans, so let's get rid of the American workers, and let's flood America with cheap, exploitable foreign labor. And if you don't agree with it, then you're unconscionably miserable. You are part of Hillary's uh, basket of deplorables. This is about exploitation of foreign workers and the destruction of opportunities for American workers. I have never in my life seen a government turn on its people the way the U.S. government has turned on the American people. That's what's really happened. There's no other way of explaining it. And for the record, I'm a registered Democrat. I'm a labor guy. And when we studied the labor movement, going back to Walter Ruther and all the others, the AFL, CIO, the whole bit, um, there was a term that was used for strike breakers, for workers that came in when workers went on strike so that the company could keep on working. Now, I, and there's two sides. Labor management is one of the biggest traditional battle lines uh, in, in, in civilization, at least modern times. The bosses want to make more money. The workers want to be paid better wages. So there's a lot of push and pull on that. And that makes sense. I, I get it. I get it. But both sides have reasonable arguments. Both sides have unreasonable arguments. Prior to the lunacy that descended on America, I'm going to say perhaps in the late 60s, early 70s, the Democratic Party represented working Americans, union workers, school teachers, postal workers, that sort of thing. And the Republicans were about the business owners. And that was a reasonable, rational line of delineation. And again, not everything that, that the labor unions want are right, and not everything they want is wrong. Not everything that the business owners want is right, and not everything they want is wrong. This is compromise, you know. In a divorce court, there's three sides to the story, his, hers, and the truth. So there was room to negotiate and manipulate the situation and, and kind of come to a middle ground. And the Democrats stood with the workers, the Republicans stood with the business owners, and there was more or less balance to the system. The wheels came off the wagon when the Democrats flipped the bird to the American workers and said, go to hell, and decided to import foreign workers. And, of course, that was music to the Republicans' ears, because they're the business owners, and if they could get away with paying nothing, then more the better. Why pay for something if you can get it for free or dirt cheap? That's just human nature. When you go to negotiate to buy a new car, the guy that wants to buy the car wants the car for free, and the salesman wants a million dollars. Well, neither guy is going to get what he wants, so you work out a compromise, and that's what the negotiation is about. Labor management, very similar. But the Democratic Party, which is why I'm registered as a Democrat, used to basically have the back of American workers. Now when the Democrats stand behind the American worker, uh, they've probably left a dagger between the American workers' shoulder blades. That's why they stand behind the American worker today. I have never in my life seen a betrayal on this galactic scale. If my parents were alive today, they would not believe the garbage that's being spewed by people who claim to be leaders in a Democratic Party who, if they could get their way, would take down America's borders and displace every American worker. That seems to be the goal. Because when Alan Greenspan testified for Chuck Schumer back on April the 30th, 2009, he referred to American high-tech workers as the privileged elite and said the solution to this money that's flowing into these workers is to make them compete with foreign workers to get rid of their wage premium so we could achieve wage equality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. There's a word for this, folks. It's called communism. It's called the engineered destruction of the middle class. 
But don't for a heartbeat think the Republicans aren't cheering them on. They're thrilled to hear this. It's music to their ears. And that's why the Democrats and Republicans are fake fighting. This is the tag team wrestling that I used to watch when I was nine years old in Brooklyn, where you thought that the wrestlers were killing each other. They were actually spraying ketchup on each other, went out and had dinner afterwards and laughed about it. When the Democrats and Republicans get together on the immigration issue, one thing is certain, the average American is going to take the shaft, and big time take the shaft. It's that simple. And the language of the debate is not about political correctness. This is Orwellian, about altering understanding and thoughts through the use of deceptive language. It comes directly out of the Ministry of Truth. The reason you're not supposed to use the word alien, unless it's in the word dreamer or dream act, because that was alien minors, it became acceptable because it pushed this crooked narrative. But the word alien versus immigrant is problematic for the swindlers because they want to declare everyone to be an immigrant. And if you dare suggest that anybody be kept out of the United States, even child molesters, murderers, and terrorists, then you're anti-immigrant and you're anti-American because America is the land of the immigrants and you're going against America's heritage. We're a nation of immigrants. Immigrants built the nation. We are indeed a nation of immigrants, and I am the son of an immigrant, and I'm very proud of it. But the difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. And damn it, we have millions of burglars in the United States. And speaking about that notion, I want to share with you an analogy. You know, if you know anything about my writing, and I write for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, I write for the social contract. The fall issue is coming out soon, uh, and I have the lead article, and uh, I was told that they'll be publishing several additional articles. I can't wait for the fall edition to come out. And, and I'll give you a hint. The um, topic of my article is Sanctuary Country. For all the BS about how the Republicans are screaming that the Democrats don't want to enforce immigration law, neither do the Republicans. This is the play fight. This is the magic act. You know, shopkeepers and stores need to have patrons, customers come in to make purchases. If you have a store and no one comes in, you're going to go broke. You're going to be out of business. You're going to be on the sidewalk. You won't be able to pay your bills. So you depend on customers to come into your shop and buy whatever it is you sell. I don't care if you have a pet store and you're selling dog food and leashes. I don't care if you have a store that sells televisions or refrigerators. I don't care if you have a store that sells suits and, and underwear. Okay, Whatever it is you're selling, you need customers to walk into the store and make the purchase. Yes, I know today with the Internet, maybe you can do a lot of that online. But just bear, bear with me. You go into the major department stores and and Target and all those other stores, they depend on foot traffic, as they call it. People coming in and looking at what they're selling and make some purchases, and that's where the profit is because the store obviously paid less for the product than they sell, and the difference between that and their overhead is their profit. But stores are very much concerned about pilferage, about shoplifters. That's why you go into a clothing store and you see all these tags, these big white clunky tags that have to be removed from the clothing before you can walk out the door because if you leave the tag on and you get to the door, it's going to, send an, it's going to sound an alarm because there are concerns about shoplifters. If you go to buy a new electric razor, it's probably in a locked showcase so you can see it through a glass window, but you can't just pick it up and walk off 
because people sometimes forget, you know, they, they're busy and they put it in their pocket. You, you know the routine. And, and they lift it, and, and this could be a couple of hundred dollars. So they put those electric shavers, if that's what they sell, in a glass shape, showcase, and you need to get one of the store uh, salespersons or attendants or whatever you want to call them to unlock it. And they may actually not even give it to you. They may walk you and the product over to a cash register and give it to the clerk who's ringing up the, the sales. And, and so then you get to walk out of the store after you've paid for it. Shoplifters is a big problem. So on the one hand, they want to get every possible person into the store. They announce sales. They put up bright lighting. They run ads in the newspapers. And they get airtime on the radio and TV. Come to the store. We want you. But we also want you to pay. When you make a purchase without paying, it's called stealing. So that's their concern. America loves to have foreign nationals come to America. Commerce is a very big industry in America, as well it should be. Commerce is wonderful. We all like to travel. We like to stay in hotels and, and go to ballparks and movies and theaters and go to restaurants. And, and, and it's a big industry for every country. Tourism is a huge industry. People get on airplanes and boats and buses and cars. They're on the move and they're going traveling because they want to see what's on the other side of the hill. Lots of money to be made. Everybody wants that. But we also know that among those who come through our ports of entry, as we saw on 9-11, aren't just people that want to go to Broadway or want to go to Yankee Stadium, but you have people that may want to blow up Yankee Stadium. So we have to walk a fine balance, invite in as many foreign nationals as possible, but make certain that we're careful, keep a wary eye out, so that the people that come in don't do harm to us. That's the job of immigration. If you go to a bar and you become obstreperous and get drunk and carry on like a loon, either they're going to call the cop or some burly bouncer is going to show you the sidewalk. That's ICE's job. That's ICE's job. When you go into court, they have court officers. They're there to keep the order. If you start carrying on in a courtroom, you're going to get ejected or arrested. That's their job. Law and order. But they don't want law and order on our borders. They're willing to accept people getting killed. And lots of people get killed because it's more important to make money and bring in more votes. Oh, and let's not forget the ever-popular clients for immigration lawyers because you have loads of people in politics who practice immigration law or who have friends who practice immigration law and are giving them huge campaign contributions. DACA would be guaranteed employment for every lawyer in America. Think about that. Think about that. We used to hear about ambulance chases. We don't have ambulance chases anymore. They're chasing illegal aliens. They're coyote chases. They're chasing the smugglers. Bring those aliens in. We can bring them into the office. And comprehensive immigration reform, by the way, had a cute little bonus attached to it. Free lawyers for the aliens. Why in the world would you provide free lawyers for illegal aliens? I had some people say to me, well, the politicians were obviously pandering to the illegal aliens. That's as dopey as anything I've heard in a very long time. Folks, nobody panders to the powerless. No one goes to, to a homeless shelter and panders to the people in the homeless shelters. You know why they wanted free lawyers for the illegal aliens in comprehensive reform? Because lawyers hate to work for free. They want to get billable hours. All of these scams 
are designed to provide an unlimited supply of cheap, foreign, exploitable labor, an unlimited supply of foreign students, an unlimited supply of foreign tourists, and a limitless supply of clientele for immigration lawyers. Let's get them out of the shadows and move them into the lawyers' offices. Boy, you got to love it. Uh, there's a joke that I always love, and it's a riddle that says, uh, what do you have when you have a half dozen lawyers up to their necks in sand? Obviously, the answer, not enough sand. I mean, this is not about helping America or Americans. And now you have a federal judge saying the president has no right to stop policy promulgated by a prior administration. This is unprecedented. DACA is not law. DACA was based on policy without the benefit of law because the law that would have created the program failed repeatedly to pass. This is a con game. And now we have a judge actually saying that it's unconstitutional not to continue a scam against the American people. Unconstitutional. Article 4, Section 4, Protection Against Invasion. Your Honor, whatever rock you're hiding under, go pick up your copy of the Constitution. Article 4, Section 4. This is lunacy. This is lunacy. And so I I wrote a couple of articles, and I I want to talk a little bit about them. Last week, I I thought I was going to have a, a meltdown. Mayor de Blasio here in New York. Everyone's all upset about this young man, Jr., who lost his life to the Trinitarios. They say it was a case of mistaken identity. He was walking into a little bodega in New York. A bodega is a grocery store. You can go in and buy milk and and, and cold cuts and cookies and coffee and all kinds of stuff. Like a convenience store. If you're not familiar with the jargon of, of the cities like New York. And this kid gets attacked by 21, I believe it was 21 thugs. They were wielding knives and clubs, all kinds of weapons, and they absolutely skewered this 15-year-old boy whose dream was to become a New York City police detective. Now, I know we always hear the story, some kid gets you know beat up or dies or whatever. Oh, he wanted to be a neurosurgeon. He was eight years old, but his dream was to be a neurosurgeon. And you kind of say, yeah, okay, sure. This kid, Jr., had become a member of the NYPD Explorer program. So he was working so closely with the police. In fact, the police treated his murder as though he was a police officer who died. This kid was doing everything right. He knew everybody in the neighborhood. He would help women with their groceries. He was everyone's hero in that community in Manhattan. This kid who was minding his own business, a real sweetheart, to use the the Yiddish term, a real mensch, a good, decent soul, a decent person, 15 years old, a role model, a role model to so many kids who are out there engaged in gang violence and all this other crap. This kid's a role model. They mistake him for somebody else, and they bludgeon him. They stab him. They slice him up. He crawls, I could cry talking about it, to within a block of a hospital and dies on the sidewalk because of a Dominican-based drug gang. But ICE is the villain. Immigration officers who go after those gangs, I will tell you that as an immigration agent, I arrested scum from all over the planet. This isn't about Latinos. I I used to joke that we were human garbage collectors at times. 
because I, I had locked up murderers, drug dealers, child molesters. I arrested a child molester from Great Britain who had sodomized an eight-year-old boy. You know, this isn't about Mexicans or Latinos. This is, again, the lie, the con game, the nonsense. I arrested an Israeli wanted for murder. He was convicted of a brutal murder back in Israel. I made sure that he went home to face the music, to face justice. I got an award from the government of Japan for making certain that a woman who was part of a cocaine smuggling operation went back to stand trial in, in Tokyo. So I was, they very nicely gave me a police medal and a certificate and so forth. This has nothing to do with Latin America or Lat Latinos or, or Hispanics. It's about human nature because every race, every religion, every ethnicity, every nationality has the good, the bad, and the ugly. And boy, I met my share of bad and ugly. And so now in the twisted world of the Democrats who are more vociferous and are more likely to try to incite riots and violence against law enforcement and politicians from the other side of the aisle, we're getting all this nonsense language. Nancy Pelosi uh, in February, and I'm, I'm writing about it. I don't want to get too far into this because we have other stuff to talk about. But it blew my mind that she basically accused ICE agents of being racists and bigots who arrested people for no reason. I, I want to understand this for no reason. Do you know what would happen to any law enforcement officer who put handcuffs on someone because they didn't like their race or their religion? They'd spend the rest of their lives in jail. The person that they handcuffed would own everything they owned down to the lint in their belly buttons. But that's the incendiary nonsense that she spews, and you see the results. I fear that someone's going to get killed because of Pelosi's mouth because of Maxine's Waters' mouth. Those are lethal weapons that they've unleashed on American society, lethal mouths. They keep spewing poison. They keep spewing flames and animosity. And there are some people that don't pay attention. They're willing to listen to anything and think it's true. They say, I've heard. That's all they need. And she actually referred to illegal aliens as being law-abiding patriots. Try to square that corner. She claimed that the people that were arrested were undocumented with no criminal history, so that made them law-abiding patriots. Boy, oh boy, I'd love to see what she defines patriotism as. Uh, I challenge her patriotism for pulling stunts like that. And then I got a call from Laura Ingram's producer a, a week ago, last Friday, and she said, you're not going to believe this one, Mike. I said, okay, try me. Nancy Pelosi said that the Democrats have always been about border security, and then she talked about what she called the 9-11 incident. The 9-11 incident. I, I can't tell you the rage that welled up in my gut. I lived through 9-11, but you didn't need to, to have that visceral gut feeling. You had these pieces of trash turn airliners into de facto cruise missiles with passengers on board and fly them into buildings or fly them into a field in Pennsylvania, fly them into the Pentagon, using passenger planes as cruise missiles. The carnage was horrific. People are still dying. More people died on 9-11 than, than died on December 7, 1941, at the hands of the Japanese fleet when Pearl Harbor was attacked. 
and the death count continues to climb from 9-11 because of the toxins ingested by people who lived in lower Manhattan, and particularly the first responders and volunteers who worked on what came to be known as the pile at Ground Zero, first looking for survivors and then looking for human remains. Uh, there was a recent article, and I wrote about it, where they talked about the levels of post-traumatic stress disorder suffered by the first responders and double that rate for the civilians who felt compelled to, to go to that pile and dig through the rubble with their bare hands looking for bits and pieces of human bone. I want you to think about that flipping nightmare, folks. The 9-11 incident. Really? Incident? Bad hair day, Nancy? Your makeup was drooping off your face? Was that what the incident was? What in the world are you talking about, incident? It was a bloodbath. It was a goddamn bloodbath. She can call it an incident. Wow. And then talk about how she favors border security after she goes out there and excoriates ICE agents who back up the Border Patrol and back up the inspectors and conduct the investigations to find evidence of fraud. And by the way, immigration fraud was identified by the 9-11 Commission as the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists, not just on 9-11, but they looked at a bunch of other cases, and we've seen it since then. The Tsarnaev brothers who carried out the deadly attack at the Boston Marathon, April 15, 2013. Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, 2010. These people committed immigration fraud. They concealed their involvement with terrorism. They claimed political asylum when, in fact, they had no credible fear. In the case of the Tsarnaevs, they claimed political asylum because they couldn't go back to Russia, and as soon as we gave them political asylum, they hopped on airplanes and went back to Russia. Liars, all of them. Look at San Bernardino. Again, immigration failure. And yet, if you try to enforce the immigration law, um, I, I just debated this guy in California on ABC radio. He said, every ICE agent should run to his boss tomorrow, hand in his badge, and say, I'm not doing these immoral things to people anymore. The guy was delusional, purportedly with a Ph.D. from, from Harvard or, or some other university. My gosh, he wasted his education. He wasted his money. The lies that are being told about immigration, it's more than an academic issue. We have situations around the country where demonstrators are shutting down the offices of immigration making it impossible for people to get their green cards or become U.S. citizens, making it impossible for our agents to remove from our midst terrorists and gang members. And we have this woman running for Congress from Queens who says that we need no borders. I'm a socialist. No borders. No immigration law. Anybody should be able to prance in and prance out at will. I love to know if she locks her door at night. Really, I would. So here we have de Blasio talking about the immorality of immigration law enforcement. And with this murder of this young man, Jr., if you haven't seen my article, please go to Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, or go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Here's the title. New York City enlists shopkeepers, not ICE, to combat transnational gangs. Subtitle, New Lows in Immigration Lunacy. De Blasio, standing over his cauldron, this witch's brew that passes for his brain, stirred up the brain and poured out a new program called the Safe Haven Initiative. 
the Safe Haven Initiative calls for shopkeepers to jump into action if some child comes running into the store being followed by a bunch of armed thugs. The shopkeeper is supposed to put himself between that kid and the gangs. Try to get a gun permit in New York. People are going to get hurt or killed if they follow this. And the outcry against the shopkeeper where this young man, Jr., was bludgeoned, had to sell the business. He's out. He's gone. God knows where he is. Someone else bought the store. They're blaming the shopkeeper. They're blaming the shopkeeper. Put yourself in the shopkeeper's place. You're sitting there minding your own business, running your business. A kid comes running into the store being chased by 21 people in their 20s. We're not talking about five-year-olds. These aren't toddlers. 18, 19, 20, 22, 23 years old, and they're wielding knives. How quickly are you about to jump over the counter and put on the red cape and say, I will protect you. I am giving you safe haven here in New York City. And now de Blasio has a new idea. He has an idea about every 15 minutes. Not many of them worth anything. We're going to get gang members to work with the gangs. They've reformed. There might be some value, but he will do everything and anything except allow the police department to work with ICE because ICE is the enemy. Not the gangs, not the terrorists, not the people that have taken the jobs of Americans. They're okay. They're heroes. They're patriots. They're law-abiding. The law violators apparently are ICE agents. They're the evil villains in the story. If this doesn't boil your blood, check for a flatline EEG. Make sure you can still fog a mirror. I did the job. I was proud to do the job. Yes, when you arrest people working in a factory, you don't get all excited and say, wow, the world is a better place. But I'll tell you a funny story. We went into a glass factory many years ago, and this is one of many that are like this, but I want you to know that there was a specific case, and I could point to others in general terms. And we had a complaint that there were illegal aliens working in the factory. The owner allowed us in. This is before it was a crime for knowingly hiring illegal aliens. There was a strike going on. And I figured, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's some merit here because maybe he hired people to supplant the strikers. And the, and the factory owner was very nice about it. He said, okay, come on in. You want to talk to my people? Go ahead. So we did. And there was this young man who was standing there working in this glass factory. He was in really good physical shape. And he was from Honduras, British Honduras, or Belize as it's called. And he claimed to be a naturalized citizen, but the story didn't make sense. So I took his information, went out to the car, got on the tour radio, called my office. We didn't have cell phones back then. And they came back and said, we have no record, which made no sense, because if this guy was actually a naturalized citizen, he would be in the database. I said to him, you know what? We have to go back to the office. I have to check out to make sure that what you're telling me is accurate. And, but before we arrested him, which we have the authority to do, by the way, this is because we had probable cause, he had this big sheet of glass, and he was in excellent physical condition. And I had the sense he was going to run. And, and, and four of us kind of took the glass away, and we handcuffed him. As we're walking out the door, and the owner is in shock. He says, wow, this is my most trusted employee. He opens and closes my factory. He's been to my home for dinner with my wife and kids. I said, probably nothing to worry about, but something just isn't right here. As we're walking out the door, the guy has got his hands cuffed in behind he was able to work the water fountain 
with his hands behind his back. And I said, this guy's dangerous. So having a little bit of street smarts, I looped his belt through the handcuffs so he couldn't slide them under his backside in the car and possibly use them as a weapon against us because this sort of thing has happened. This has happened. Halfway into our office, I got a call on the radio because we were in two separate cars. The other team said, Mike, this guy just confessed. You're not going to believe it. And I said, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, is his confession uh, a 1 or a 10? And they said, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's about 1,004. Well, now I can't wait to get to the office. We get into the garage, and before we get him out of the car, the other team comes up to me. And by the way, I had a brand-new agent with me at the time who had just got out of the academy. This was his first day in the field. And I warned him. I said, you never know when you drop a hook into the ocean what you're going to catch. Be careful. They said, so here's the story. The name he gave you was was a lie. It's not really his name. I said, well, that's why it didn't show up on the computer. They said, that's exactly right. In reality, this guy was from Belize, from what was then British Honduras. He had been found guilty of homicide. He pleaded guilty to homicide. It was probably a murder from what they could gather. He did time, was deported, came back illegally after being deported, and escaped from a federal penitentiary where he was serving a jail sentence for illegal uh, reentry into the United States. So here is a murderer working in a factory who is here illegally in the United States. Imagine the threat that this guy posed to the other factory workers. Another time I arrested a woman in the factory, we found a loaded 38 revolver in her pocketbook, illegal alien working in a sweatshop. She claimed that one of the guys in the sweatshop put the gun in her pocketbook but didn't know which one. Lots of luck with that story. The point of the matter is it's entirely appropriate and necessary for us to enforce our immigration laws. The 9-11 Commission was so crystal clear on it. And that's why when I hear Nancy Pelosi say, well, we've got to secure all of our borders. Well, that's the point that I've been making, that we're a country of 50 border states. But nevertheless, she'll go out there and accuse ICE agents of bigotry and racism and that they arbitrarily arrest people who have no criminal histories who are patriots and law-abiding. This is the insanity that we're confronting today. So here in New York, the city that gets the lion's share of counterterrorism funds because we've had several terrorist attacks, not just one in New York. Other terror plots have been foiled in New York. New York had ground zero. That's now where the, world, the new World Trade Center stands. But it's also ground zero for terror threats because this is, to so many people from around the world, the heart of America, maybe in some ways more so than even Washington, D.C. So the city that gets the lion's share of counterterrorism money doesn't want to do what the 9-11 Commission said. And the real irony, as you'll see in my article, is that on the day that these thugs that murdered that young boy were being arraigned, New York City, New York State, and, and attorneys from, I believe, five other states were in lower Manhattan in federal court arguing to have their funds reinstated by the Justice Department when the Justice Department said, hey, we've given you that money for law enforcement, but if you're not helping us enforce the law, you're not entitled to the money. So now there's a judge saying, oh, the states don't have to do anything for that money. You have to give it to them. This is the anarchy and the insanity that we're facing between both parties and the judges. 
And immediately, of course, if you take my position, you're going to be told that you're anti-immigrant. No, actually, I'm pro-enforcement. And the people most likely to suffer from the violence of transnational gangs. And again, I don't care if the gang is from Mexico or Colombia or Jamaica or Israel or Pakistan or the Asian organized crime groups in Chinatown, the most likely victims of transnational criminal violence are the members of the ethnic immigrant communities because these thugs live among these people. And because they have their friends in the home country, they can even reach into that home country and threaten family members of those people here in the United States who don't cooperate with them. It's easy for them to coerce immigrants minding their own business in the United States into doing crimes for them under the threat that they will get a hold of the sister, the brother, the parent, whoever, and, and, and kill them or torture them or rape them or whatever. This is a routine deal for these bums. That's why we call them transnational. They transcend national boundaries. And the 9-11 Commission, in fact, wrote a specific book, the, the Staff on Terror Travel. Terrorists have to travel in order to carry out their attacks for training, for going to the places where the attacks are going to happen, and so forth. So travel across international borders is a key issue for terrorists and for gangs. And yet you have a woman in Queens who wants to be a member of Congress who says, we need to take down the borders and we need to stop enforcing immigration laws. No more immigration laws. We don't need those thinking laws. Never mind that we'll displace every American worker. doesn't matter. We have people in America today who are anarchists, who are globalists, who apparently have a hatred for Americans because they don't care about how many people are killed by people who shouldn't be here. For them, as, as the father of a young man who was killed on 9-11 said to me, to these bums, that's simply the cost of doing business. They don't care. The carnage doesn't matter. And besides, it's generating business, I guess, for the funeral homes. And so we get to the other article that I just wrote for Front Page, the, sword, the DACA Sword of Damocles, uh, and the subtitle, A Solution Worse Than the Problem, is Hanging Over America's Heads. And, and so it, it just blows my mind that Steve Scalise sits there on, on this program. This was on July 22nd on Fox News, and he says, we're going to solve the DACA problem. What problem? You're going to provide unknown millions of illegal aliens with lawful status? There are so many aliens, ladies and gentlemen, there won't be any interviews. There won't be any field investigations. And by now, an alien as old as 37 years of age can qualify to participate in DACA. 37. What happened to the children? You know, if this was really about the children, if the DREAM Act or DACA, if they had simply said, if you're under the age of 21, if you're in school, bring your transcript, bring your report card, we'll work with you. Tell you what, I might have gone along with that. I might have said, you know what, they're kids. Let's make sure they don't belong to gangs. Let's get them fingerprinted and photographed, and if they do get involved with gangs, we know who we're dealing with, we can easily deport them. Let's do it. The numbers would be relatively small. The numbers would be relatively small. Not a big deal. That wasn't what they did. What they said was, if you are as old as 35, and then they wanted to make it that at any age. So you could theoretically walk in and be 50 and say, oh, I came as a kid. Oh, okay. 
Now remember, no interview, no field investigation, and when aliens run the border, no record of entry is created. And what you also should know, and I was an adjudicator for a year, so I know how that job works quite well, it only takes minutes to approve an application. It can take days or weeks to deny one, because to deny one, you have to write a formal report anticipating that a lawyer is going to file an appeal, a challenge, and so it's got to meet legal sufficiency. So you can't just say, I don't think that the guy's telling me the truth. You have to have articulable facts so that you can go before a judge and say, Your Honor, here's the evidence that this guy really isn't who he says he is, or he really didn't come into the United States 25 years ago. He came in 20 days ago. If you don't have that, then you're going to have to approve the application. The approval rate for DACA is over 95%. In the days and weeks after 9-11, we were told, in order to be successful, the terrorists have to be right 100 I'm sorry, in order for us to be successful, we had to be right 100% of the time to block the terrorists. The terrorists had it much easier. For the terrorists to attack America, they just had to get it right once. So I want you to think about this. Every alien who enters the United States, whether legally or illegally, doesn't matter. We've had both flavors. Any alien who gains entry into the United States, any alien who gets an immigration benefit, such as political asylum, United States citizenship, a green card, permission to go to school, whatever, every one of those applications, and right now without any amnesty for DACA, over 6 million applications are processed every year by U.S. US Citizenship and Immigration Services. Every one of those applications that's approved provides terrorists with the opportunity of getting it right. Every one of those 6 million. Think about that. Every alien who manages to get into the United States, no matter how they come here, and there was just a study done how many came by boat, how many came by land border, how many came through international airports, you know, I, I jokingly wrote an article a while back, and, and I compared Paul Revere with his three lanterns, you know, one if by land, two if by sea, and he hung the lanterns in the old North Church. So three lanterns could cover both possibilities, one lantern by land, two lanterns by sea. If they came both ways, three lanterns. There are so many ways for an alien to gain entry into the United States. If you were going to hang lanterns, you'd probably burn down the old North Church, and you couldn't probably find enough lanterns in the Home Depot. There are so many ways of coming here, and every single one of those ways carries with it a threat to our security. Now, I'm not saying shut down the borders. I know some people have said that. That's not possible. It's not practical. It's not reasonable. But goodness, we ideally should have, and I know President Trump wants, I believe, 10 or 15,000 ICE agents. That isn't even going to do it, but okay, let's start with that. But I guarantee you that's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen because the Republicans don't want ICE agents. They'll say, well, the solution is mandatory E-Verify. And, of course, everyone clucks and goes, oh, yes, that's right, mandatory E-Verify. Wonderful. That does it. No, it doesn't. Because an unscrupulous employer just does what they've always done, hire off the books. So they put in the paperwork. It goes through the process. And, of course, the names that they submit are people legally entitled to work in the United States. But unless you go out there and walk into that factory or that office or that slaughterhouse or that meatpacking plant, if you don't look at each individual person, how do you know if there are people working there off the books? And that's why they don't want to hire ICE agents, because the ICE agent walks in and says, whoa, you got 48 people off the books, we're going to fine you. Maybe we're going to prosecute you. 
I remember as an agent, you'd walk in, and you might have had 200 people on the factory floor, but only 41 time cards hanging on the wall. Well, guess what? <laughs> the ones who didn't have time cards were illegal. Or they might have had two separate cl- groups of time cards. So he paid the people according to time cards, but they were illegal aliens. There was no other paperwork for them. How did you know? You had to physically go there. With 6,000 immigration agents for the whole country, the likelihood of an agent actually going into an employer is between slim and none. Yes, there are some arrests, but very few. And to show you how pathetic the resources are, how many times do you see a headline? 212 arrested by ICE. And, of course, the open borders crowd, de Blasio, Pelosi, Maxine Waters, they have a meltdown. Oh, my God, they arrested 200 people. Folks, 200 people for the United States of America? We probably have 30 million illegal aliens in the United States, and 212 got arrested, and this makes headlines. You know, it's the old joke that dog bites man is not a headline, man bites dog, that's a headline. How did 200 arrests by ICE become a headline? Because it's such a rare occurrence. It doesn't happen every day. Why? Because they don't have the agents. They don't have the manpower. And even the agents who were there... They've been there 10, 15 years. They've been there since after 9-11, since George W. Bush did what he could to screw up immigration enforcement, and I would argue by design. They were there when Obama was there and wrecked havoc on immigration law enforcement. When I started as an agent, it was back in 1975. It was a world of difference back then to today. There was clarity to the law. It was easy to figure out if someone was here legally or illegally. They have made this such a Rube Goldberg invention that you wind up talking to yourself before you can figure out whether an alien should be here or not uh, because of the various visas and the way they administer them, and the list goes on and on and on, and this is by design. They've made it as complex as possible to, number one, guarantee that lawyers have to be hired. A lot of politicians are lawyers. You have chairmen and committees who are immigration lawyers. And on top of it, they don't want the aliens to be removed, and they don't want the employers to be fined. They just want to create the illusion that we're serious about it without being serious about it. It's the magician who promises to cut the lady in half, knowing damn well if he really cuts her in half, he's going to jail. No one's ever going to work with him again. So they create a convincing illusion that they cut the woman in half without hurting a hair on her head. The goal for immigration legislation is to keep that flow of exploitable labor coming this way, to displace more American workers, to drive down more American wages. And who came and kicked sand into their picnic? But Donald Trump. Why do you think you're seeing the level of animosity towards the Trump administration that you're seeing today? Because the globalists from both parties are besides themselves. They're used to taking bribes, known as campaign contributions. Trump doesn't need the money. My God, how do you deal with that? A guy that can't be bought or rented or whatever you want to call it. We used to call security guards rent-a-cops. Maybe we should call some of these politicians rent-a-politician. Campaign contributions are off the wall. And after Citizens United, the amount of money that got pumped into political campaigns went into the stratosphere. If you don't think that politicians are beholden to the people that write those checks, you're a fool. You're a fool. We're getting the best government money can buy. And look at the consequences. 
and now look at the animosity and the allegations flying where President Trump is concerned. Now, look, I, I wish he was more nuanced in his language. When he called the travel ban the travel ban, it was about as dopey as it gets. It was an entry restriction, and it was based on law, not based on his executive order. The law says you have to issue a proclamation if you're the president. But the media and his political adversaries used deceptive language, and Donald Trump went and used the same words they used. He became his adversary's best friend. I wish he would stop it. I wish that Jeff Sessions would sit him down and explain to him what he should be saying. But I have a funny feeling it's not that easy to get Donald Trump uh, to listen. I love his policies. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, you know, he, he, he's saving our butts this time around. But I worry about the next election. I worry about the midterms. I certainly worry about 2020. But goodness, the majority of politicians in Washington and in state capitals and city halls around the United States don't give a rat's tail about America or Americans, but they sure as hell care about their campaign contributions. They sure as hell care about holding on to power. Certainly not a good situation for America or Americans. What I'd love for you to do is go to Front Page Mag and read my articles. If you like them, please go to social media, forward them to as many people as you can, be part of my bucket brigade of truth. The truth is there. It's the media that refuses to provide it. They're not the enemy of the people, but they're the enemy of democracy, these reporters who won't tell the truth, who use deceptive language. The founding fathers understood the significance of the First Amendment. In order for a democracy to survive and exist and thrive, and I know that some of you are cringing and saying this is a republic, yes, but there is a democratic process, and that process requires an informed electorate. And never before have we seen journalists so disrespect their own professions. Agents and journalists are very similar. Agents are fact-finders, so are journalists. But as an agent, if I walked into a courtroom and lied, I was committing perjury and could go to jail. When a reporter gets in front of the microphones and lies, there are no consequences. There are no consequences. And so that's the reason that I thought about making this program possible shortly after the attacks of 9-11. And that's why I do the show every week. I hope it's helpful to you. And if it is helpful to you, I ask you to let your friends know about my program. Let your friends know about my website. It's michaelcutler.net, michaelcutler.net. Check out frontpagemag.com. Please also check out the social contract. I'm very much excited about the coming fall edition. Uh, I just submitted my manuscripts for a number of articles to them. But this is about getting the truth out there. Uh, And that's pretty simple because there is, after all, only one version of the truth. Well, as always, I want to thank you for joining me this evening. I hope you all have a terrific weekend coming up, a safe and enjoyable weekend wherever you are. And I hope you'll join me again uh, on my program next week. But meanwhile, folks, please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. Good night, everybody. See you next week.